Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Boy, did the week go by quickly. A lot of damaging things happened this week in the state of Kentucky. Everyone knows now that uh, nearly 15 people have been killed. 15 people lost their lives because of an abundance of rain in in these isolated areas that created massive flooding. And uh, it's not over yet. And this is really bad deal. I mean, you're seeing flooding in Las Vegas, Nevada, around Caesar's Palace. And um, the weather patterns are just absolutely insane. It's going to be 111 degrees in Oregon, right around Medford, Oregon today. I believe it's 111 degrees. And uh, all along the West Coast, boy, it's starting to heat up over there. That's really dangerous. Uh, <clears throat> the West Coast of the United States is being set on fire. That's a really bad deal. And there are many fires that are burning around the country and in different places around the world in the European continent. Uh, Weather patterns have simply gone array. And the cause behind that, well, that's everybody's wonderment. You know, what is the real cause behind all of this? And of course, we sit back and we go, well, you know what, this too shall pass. And we say amen to that, it shall. But um, I have to say on today's broadcast that, we're going to say some things that are so difficult to say because if they fall upon deaf ears, they mean nothing. Um, the, the scriptures are very clear about not casting your pearls before swine. 
um, let's say, turn and rend you. Uh, don't give that which is holy to the dogs, right? So thank God for our listening audience that has an ear to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to understand. Just maybe we will understand this today and how to prove it. All you can do is lay forth what God is doing and show the absolute precision of how God is moving right now and hopefully being in tune with him. And I believe we are. I truly believe we are. And this is to no man's anything. This is just a day where um, I think we're going to say something and I believe it's going to resound. I think it's going to be loud and clear And I hope that everyone who has an ear to hear really hears uh, what we're going to say today. In just a moment, Brother Jim Beltmeyer is going to be with us, and he's going to be talking to us about many biblical prophetic things. He's going to be sharing about what's going on in in different sectors of our world system, in the markets, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, First, I'd like to say good morning to uh, dear sister Callie. Uh, Callie, now um, Dover. Happy birthday to you, Callie. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful day. We at New Wine Ministry salute you for your birthday. Shalom to you and your newly uh, wedded husband, Blake. So uh, Blake and Callie Dover just married a few weeks ago. Uh, Callie now celebrating her birthday uh, as a married woman with her husband, Blake. I trust you guys are going to do great things, and I'm sure that Blake is going to make your day as happy as it possibly could be. So, again, happy birthday to you and to everybody else out there that's kind of moving along on this Friday. I hope you have great plans for the weekend. In spite of what we're going to talk about today, uh, you know, balance is the key to life. Balance everything. Um, All things in moderation, well-balanced, and get ready, right? And, And the way we prepare in peace I love the scripture that says, you'll go out with joy, you'll be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break down before you. There'll be shouts of joy, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. And so I suspect today that we're going to um, say some things, and then we're going to put them into the, 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 con- the conduct of balance. balance. So here we go. It's Friday. And what I'm going to do, and, and I'm going I'm to share what's in my heart while Jim is with me on the air. And I want to welcome to the broadcast, uh, Jim Beltmeyer, and he's going to be calling in. We're going to take that call, make sure all of our audio is working well. Let me say good morning to my brother, Jim. Good morning, sir. Can you hear me? Okay. And how are you today? I'm doing very good. How are you, sir? I'm doing very good. It's great to have you back on the air with us. And uh, this time we're not going to be rushing anything. We've got plenty of time to sit down and talk today. And, uh, you know, you and I really don't know each other that well. Um, You know, you have uh, just recently kind of made an appearing, if you will, and reaching out and we're talking. And uh, what I think about you um, is that you're you're very intelligent in what's going on in the markets. And uh, I'm not. So it's fascinating to listen to that information. But also you you have studied extensively. Uh, the book of Revelation, book of Daniel, end-time prophecy. Uh, you have really put some things together in a fascinating way. God has given that to you. And uh, it's for such a time as this that that, un- that understanding, that information, that revelation uh, being shared with those who have an ear to hear through podcasts like these, 
uh, and wherever else God will open doors to you to share what he's put in your heart. Uh, we just want to welcome you to this broadcast. We want to say thank you for joining us. And uh, we have a lot of people out there that are looking forward to this conversation. So uh, without further ado, why don't you say good morning to everybody and let's get into the first part of what's in your heart to share with us today. Well, thank you very much, sir. Um, first of all, I'm not a financial advisor or anything like that. I'm not a minister. Um, I've studied the book by myself in my own context for 45 to 50 years. Um, and I'm an, a- I'm an analyst, so I look at things a little differently on how I go through Scripture, and I write everything down, so it's very um, very detailed. Hey, Jim, forgive me. Pardon, pardon my interruption, but there's a little uh, background um, that we're picking up. Is there um, some audio in the background that we could turn down just a little bit? I've got you down. Is that better now? Yeah, I don't hear it now. Okay, I must have had you turned on just a little bit on the uh, volume. There you go. So um, I just want people to realize I'm just a person. I'm a speck of dust out here. I really um, I'm not attached to a church or anything in general, but I do. I came out about five years ago because I was concerned with something I saw transpiring in front of me. I think is affecting us possibly in the next four to six months, um, and that's the Daniel 8 effect, I believe, that's coming upon us. Now, I don't see a lot of people talking about this, which is amazing because I think it's a fairly clear prophecy of what's happening. And so I've been talking about Daniel 8, um, and what it is is basically it tells us that the Medes and the Persians will align And then when that occurs, the army of the north or the Babylonians would come over and destroy them. What that means, if it's in context of today, the Medes would be the Kurds, and we would see the Kurds align with Iran or Persia. And when this was to occur, based on Daniel 8's prophecy, we would see... I believe the Babylonian is Turkey or Erdogan, and he would then come over and crush Iran. Well, there's two prophecies I'm looking at right now, the Daniel 8 prophecy where we see the Babylonian join with Israel and Egypt. You can also find this in Isaiah 28 to 38. And what Isaiah told us was, he said, look, Jerusalem, Israel, you do not want to join with these two groups, Egypt and Turkey. You need to rely on God. God will protect you. Don't rely on these two. And so what we've seen is we've seen the alignment of this right now. Egypt and Turkey are both working with Israel to try to stop Iran from getting a nuclear weapon before Iran nukes Israel or Jerusalem, which is their goal in life, to accelerate this presentation of the Mahdi they want to bring back. And so their whole goal is if they destroy Israel, they feel that that would bring the Mahdi or their Allah or whoever they, you know, I'm not a Muslim, so I'm not sure I totally understand that lineage, but they want to bring this person back. And with this destruction, they believe that this would ramp this up and bring him back faster. 
So what has happened is Israel's reached out, since we're not in the picture really anymore, and we have weak leadership, he's reached out to Turkey and Egypt to stop Iran. Well, if you go into the prophecy, this is exactly what's occurring in Isaiah 28 to 38 and Daniel 8, right, this moment. And so what is happening is Erdogan is trying to rebuild the old Ottoman footprint, which is the same footprint as Alexander the Great back in the old days when Daniel was on the ground. And by doing this, he will then encompass basically the whole Middle East and part of the African nations, which are listed in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Now, I've said for a while, I believe there's a progression of events. Daniel 8 has to happen first. Once he destroys Iran, if you go to Ezekiel 38 and 39, Persia is the first country listed or absorbed in that 10-nation caliphate that's going to be against Israel soon. So, Persia would fall first, but we, what we're seeing is Turkey's genociding them Kurds right now. He's talked to NATO. He's saying, look, if Finland and Sweden don't change their attitude against the Kurds and consider them a terrorist group, then I'm possibly going to leave NATO or I'm going to attack the Kurds anyway because NATO's not in a position to do anything since they're entrenched in Ukraine with Russia. And so he's got an open door here, and he's telling them, I don't care whether you care or not, I'm going to go after the Kurds. Well, then, if the Kurds are the Medes in history, and you can go back and look that up all day long, go back in history, find out who the Medo-Persians were, you realize they're the Kurdistan people along with the Iranians. So this has happened in the past. And I believe that we always work in parallel from past to future. So anything that we saw in the past, we can look at that and see what's coming in the future because he explains all this before we get here. And so we know what's coming if we can unlock it within the Bible, and the Bible has all the answers. I, I never look at outside texts except for, like, history or different things like that to make connections. I always use Scripture because you can't back it up unless you have Scripture involved. So one thing that I've looked at, and I just started a study on this, is I think there's something that we should realize, and you just talked about this the other day, about the sorrows and the birth pains, and how do we recognize whether we're in that time. And I say there's three or four passages we can go to to determine whether we're in that very specific time right this moment. And the passages, if you want to write these down, are Matthew 24, 3, Mark 13.3, and Ezekiel 38.17. Now, what this does, and actually, if you go to Matthew 24.8 and Mark 13.8, that also works with this. And what it says is this. Jesus took his disciples aside and said, look, they, want, they wanted to know what was going to happen at the end time and when this was going to occur and how they would know that this was going to occur. And he clearly tells them in Matthew 24 and Mark 13, 3, and Ezekiel 38, 17, who the people were was Peter, James, John, and Andrew. He took them in private, and he told them, 
in Ezekiel 38:17 that this is the person that would come against you at the latter times. And if you look at that white horseman, which I don't believe is Antichrist or Satan or anything like that, because if you look at the progression of the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls, and if we go to Revelation 8, 1, and 2, like I've talked about, you realize the seven seals are broken first, you have seven trumpets after that, and a half an hour of silence in between. This is important because a lot of people will remove the seal into a bowl or a trumpet phase, and you can't do that. I can destroy that on two verses. So if the seals come first, and if it tells us in Matthew 4, uh, 24, 8, and 13, 8, that this is the beginning of the sorrows, and that these were the people that I was telling this about, and that this is this was Gog that was going to come against you, but he's going to die. If he's the first seal, he'll die on the sixth seal by the wrath of the sun or the lamb, which then would then start. It's like a drum roll. You see those trumpets hit, and you see the pit open and the resurrection of Antichrist trumpet. That's a long way from the seals. And so I ask people, you know, if Antichrist rises on the sixth trumpet and we have a progression of events, seals, trumpets, and bulls, he can't be the white horseman. And he'll die on the sixth seal, which will then bring in a, roll, a, a trumpet phase with a resurrection of a bottomless pit opening on the fifth trumpet, a resurrection of Antichrist and the false prophet. Now, I don't know if the false prophet's resurrected because it tells us he's a man and he has a number of 666. And so I do believe, though, that Antichrist will be risen from a dead Gog. Everybody's like, wow, that's pretty out there. Well, if you go to Isaiah, 20, or Isaiah 14, it clearly tells us this is a resurrectional event and that there's something in this abyss or in this hole that will spring out like a abominable branch and then will place misery upon the planet. And we know this is going to occur because in the fifth, sixth, and seventh trumpet, the angel in Revelation 8.13 clearly tells us that when the fifth trumpet sounds, rejoice in heaven because Satan has lost his seat forever and he'll never be here again, but woe to the earth because I've now sent him down upon you for a short period of time, which is the 1260 days before abomination. Okay, Jim, so, just a quick interjection. Uh, just a quick interjection, because I'm, I'm, I'm following you, uh, but we're, 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 it's moving quick. So uh, let me just yeah. get back to this thought, because um, you're talking about the seals um, being the beginning of sorrows, okay? So everything begins with that. So if you were to mark out the first, I guess, four seals or five seals, um, <clears throat> what would you kind of call them? I mean, it... And I and imagine what you're saying is that these seals are opening in our generation. Is that correct? Yes, I believe actually when Erdogan invaded on October 9th of 2019, this unleashed the beginning of the sorrows. And the reason I say this is because he started his, uh, this is like the third invasion over time that he's actually done. But this one mattered more than normal. Because what happened here was he started to set up his 30-mile buffer zone in Syria and Iraq. 
right after that, we started to see in October of 19 reports coming out from uh, China about the COVID. So it unleashed the COVID upon the world. Because what happened then was by the time we hit December of 2020, at the beginning of the first day of the year, 21, it was a global uh, pandemic at that moment. So if he unleashed on October 9th, which was Yom Kippur, on our, uh, 2019, we are possibly watching the first four seals break at this moment. Because what are you having? You're having peace from the world being taken away. No one's getting along. You actually have potential four wars occurring at the same time. You have Russia and Ukraine. You've got China and Taiwan. You've got Erdogan going against the Kurds. And you have North Korea now threatening nuclear attack against South Korea. And so we have this total unrest happening. You're having global markets breaking down. You're having a slowdown of global GDP, um, which is going to really cause a lot of problems, especially now they keep talking about the dollar strength, but the dollar's been diluted over the years. But the dollar strength is much higher than everyone else's currencies right now, which is causing a massive amount of inflation out here. And people like Turkey, and this is a thing I brought up against Turkey, Turkey has 80% inflation. They have a lira that's collapsing. And Erdogan has an election cycle on June of 23. And so Erdogan is in a position where he has to move quickly at this moment. And he's also working against Israel to get a bomb, which they have already had the ability to build. So that's why Israel's gone to Egypt and Turkey to try to figure out how to fix this problem because we're not really in the picture anymore and we're trying to create a deal that's not feasible um, mm. while Russia's in the room, which is amazing. <laughs> All these bad players working together. So I said for a while, I think we need to watch the area, and I may be wrong. You know, I'm not a site. Um, I'm not, I don't have a crystal ball. But normally things happen in a time when... God's calendar events occur. And so I've been saying, watch the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Kippur, and um, Tabernacles of this year. I think we're going to start to walk into that Red October event you keep talking about. Mm -hmm. And um, I think what will happen is we will see, as Daniel states, that once these Kurds align with Iran, and you see some pact or some forming of these two groups, that Turkey won't they, they just won't wait around. They'll attack them, like it says in the book, like a whirlwind, and they'll destroy Iran. And it will change the geopolitical structure of the world at that moment. Now, as that's all happening, Russia's shutting off Nord Stream to um, the Middle East, or I mean to the Europe. And so I think fuel, as we walk into winter time, is going to be a real problem for not only the Europeans, but as we have this regional divide between the West and the East, because now we're not really friends anymore, you're going to start to see what I call regional hoarding. And this will cause um, shortages of all kinds. It will also cause massive hyperinflation because it's going to be hard to find things or you're going to be getting things that maybe you not necessarily want, but it's a substitute. And so 
And the other thing we have to watch here in the next month or two is we have a possible rail strike. And if the rail, railroads go down through this national strike, we would also then see a lot of leverage against the trucking companies because they'll have to pick up the slack, and they're already under a lot of stress due to diesel fuel and fluids that they have to put in their truck that they can't find. We're having shortages of all these different um, distillants that you have to put in the diesels, which go in the trains, which go in the shipping container, you know, the, the uh, tankers. All these work together, and so if you start to run into what, you know, one or two shortages within these three fuels that the diesel people need to run their vehicles and things, that will shut down completely. And then if you have a rail strike, which sounds like it's going to happen because in 2000, they've been doing this since 2019 without a raise in hyperinflation, and that's what they're complaining about is, look, you haven't given us a raise for three years. You need to come up with something. But the railroad is asking for like a 36% raise here through the unions, and the railroads want to give them 14%. So there's a big gap, and I don't think they're going to really fix that gap. And think about this. If they raise these people 36%, what are the transportation costs that are already skyrocketed four or five times from the level that we're at now? So we're going to see this massive hyperinflation and you're going to see a massive stagflation because as things start to move forward into winter, as we slow down as an economy, they're going to start to see massive layoffs. And you're already starting to see that in the tech industry. Usually when the tech industry is affected, that affects all other industries. Because when we don't like our gadgets and we're not buying them and we're slowing down buying all this garbage material stuff that we like to accumulate, that slows down the whole economy because if they're not buying the gadgets, they're buying stuff they need to survive, like food, fuel. They're going to have to put fuel in their tank for winter coming up soon. That's going to be twice as expensive. Food prices are potentially 10 to 25% higher. Your gas prices, even though they've gone down 60 cents, are now twice as high as when Biden came in. All this is eating away at your disposable income. And now we saw a flattening and an inversion of the 2 and 10 bonds. And so what this is recycling is you have a recession, and you're already in a recession because now you've had a secondary print of the GDP, which was negative. Now the government's going to spin that and say, well, we're not in a technical recession. But if you go out and look at a technical recession, that's exactly what it is. It's two prints of negative GDP in a row, and we just saw that because we had a 1.6 negative GDP the last time, and we just saw 0.9% GDP contraction in this quarter. So we are technically in a recession, but they're not going to tell you that. Oh, the jobs are strong, whatever. You know what? We've lost 6 million jobs from when we were pandemic, and... Look at all the participation rate of people sitting out that aren't going back to jobs. It's like 60% participation rate. So you 40% of your country is not even working right now. They don't know whether to work. They don't know whether to get in the corona. They don't know what to do. Some of them are talking about early retirement and different things like that. And, so, and now you can't even find a job because they're starting to lay off. So now instead of this massive, oh, we need people and we'll give you all kinds
kinds of incentives, they can't do that because their margins are being squeezed through hyperinflation, uh, shipping costs, um, you know, things they need to do to clean the facilities to keep COVID out, and all these things are eating away at their margins. So it's all being compressed. And so they're laying people off, and they're doing a lot of this work themselves because they can't afford to keep people in there. Now, I've heard a lot of restaurants that have, like, one or two people working in them, or people just can't find jobs. Even though there's a massive amount of jobs out there, nobody's really getting one. Why? Because the global economy is shutting down, and we can't find for guidance out here because no one knows what's coming up next. What happens if Iran were to fall? What happens if we have another major COVID outbreak, just like Tokyo and Japan's having right now? They have massive amount of COVID over right in there. We have a new variant coming out that's more contagious, um, and you don't really want to get the jab, so you want to try to stay away from the system. And I tell people, you know, when you're in the sorrows and birth pains, this is like the Exodus event of Egypt. You paint your doorstep with the blood, and you let the bad stuff go around you. Because you don't, want to be there. you don't want to be out there and you don't want to deal with these people. They're going to go crazy at the end because God puts this delusion upon them and they just don't get anything. And so as I think that's why he tells us to put the oil in the lamp. Stock up, get ready. You're going to be here a little seven trumpet. You're going to go through most of the seals and the trumpets if you get that far. But you don't want to be out in that madness because you'll then make bad decisions, which might affect your soul. And you may do things that you don't want to do because you're placed in a position of harm or you're protecting people around you. So you need to be extremely careful when you're going out there. And we need to understand the time we're in. And if we're in the sorrows at this very moment, the book has started to happen, and there is no way to turn back because God's Amen. word is set in stone. Amen. It is. It, uh, just a quick interjection, and I totally agree that the beginning of sorrows has begun. There's no doubt that this baby uh, is going to be birthed. But I was just reading this morning in light of what you just shared out of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul was writing to the church that was in Turkey, by the way, Ephesus, and he said, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, and this is advice for all of us, uh, instruction, actually, not advice, instruction, that you, Christians, henceforth, or from this time forward, walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, uh, who, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So here is uh, uh, a description of the world around us, people that are operating in the vanity of their mind. They have no understanding. It's darkened. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them uh, and the blindness of their heart. That's exactly what you just described, it, that is the environment of the world, and it's growing. It's not going back to normal. It's getting darker and darker. Is that correct? That is right, and it won't get better because that's why they call it the birthing pain. You'll get a little reprieve at times, but then the next contraction will be a much harder contraction, and these will just continue until we have the birth of the baby, which is on the seventh trumpet. So 
we need to understand that this is not going to improve and that we're not going to have this massive rebirth of the church because the churches haven't been, and I don't mean this to any specific church, and I'm just saying this in general. They're not an open-minded group of people. They don't like to listen really well. Usually they have their own pre-assumptions of, you know, who the Antichrist is or whoever, and they're not explaining the book extremely well so we can understand the events. And that's one thing I've tried to do is I've tried to break down the 22 chapters of Revelation in a proper manner so people can understand the event sequence. And that's why I keep saying if you look at that book, those 22 chapters, there's a procession of events, and I think this is why we need to go back to basics. You know, when I was in martial arts or did all these other different things, I was a powerlifter. Um, I powerlifted for 40 years. I've competed for a long time. The base is the most important thing because if you don't have a good base, everything later will fall apart as you get to a heavier weight or you get to a harder competition or whatever because the base isn't there. And so we need to understand the base. And the base is that if we can look at what we see in front of us and understand our timing, then we can send out a proper message to the churches. And so one thing I've tried to explain is there is a proper method to read the book of Revelation. And if you follow it properly, we then have a better understanding. And it also would remove a lot of confusion of why the seals don't break in the trumpets or the bowls and different things like this. Okay. If I may... Yeah, I, I want to move. I, I want to move into the revelation. I, I want you to proceed with that. But I have a question coming in from the chat room, um, and the question is: Can Jim elaborate on why the globalists or the deep state and others are doing what they are doing? Uh, can what is their end game? And this is coming from. Yeah, this is coming from Pastor Jeff, and he's been sharing a lot of this information with people. But they're going, well, why would anybody do that? I mean, why are they creating this atmosphere? What is your your thought about that? My thought is that we have 8 billion people on the planet, and they can't control all of this. And just like the Georgia Guidestones indicated, they want to reduce us to about 500 million so that they have a control method over us because there's too much population out here. Plus, it taxes the world from resources. They have no ability to really control 8 billion people, and so we're going to see a massive population reduction. I believe that's what you're seeing right now, either through the COVID, um, which I believe is a terrible science, um, through the jabs. Um, we talked about that. Um, but So would it, be, this, would it be something the effect of, uh, you know, the master race where the globalists, the elite, uh, you know, the deep state, these people uh, have been modifying DNA, genetics, that stuff, where they're creating a master race where they can wipe out the 7.5 billion people on the face of the earth and kind of like Noah in eight people repopulating the earth after the days of Noah. Are they trying to take this godlike stand so they're going to wipe out the earth, they're going to say they're God, they're going to destroy people, and then they're going to reproduce after their kind? Is that a possibility? It could be like the the German effect where they wanted to build the perfect race in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, what okay. you're seeing in the jabs, and I believe this was a problem for everybody, and that's why I tell them to stay away from this, is that if you look into the solutions of the actual 
inoculation that they're giving you, this vaccination. They're seeing things within the delusion of this material that tells us that they've changed or modified it so that it actually can affect us. And so what I'm told people and have been telling people for a while, all these genetical DNA tests that you're sending in, all these things that they've been collecting for years are going into a massive database. That information is being sold to people. But the thing is, they're being sold to governments like China. And China's collecting all this information from you. And what they're doing is they're building a library so that they can understand your genetical defects based on your ethnic group, your culture, your environment, and different things like that. And if they can determine how to build a virus that will attack you specifically or a group, maybe I want to attack a certain type of people or a ter- you know, certain cultural group, they can build these viruses to attack very specific things because I believe they have a nanotechnology. Now, the reason I say this is I have an ag science degree. I have an urban forestry management degree. Um, I'm actually a master grower, so I've done a lot in agricultural, but I was a city forester for um, Winneka for a long time. And what we learned in that through animal and plant diseases are that you can modify these genetical codes within the structure of the, the, the substrate so that we can affect specific people and I can target them and hurt them with this biological weapon which they built. So if that's the case, I can modify it, change it a little bit, and I can attack you with it because I know what you're built from because I know your genetical makeup. I know everything that I can possibly accumulate from you, and they have a database. They've been doing this for a while. And through that genetical code, they can see anything that might be within your cellular structure that would be affecting you. And so they can build these these vaccinations. They're not even a vaccination because if you look at a vaccination like polio and different things, they remove the problem. This one doesn't. This is like a flu shot, and it's a... And they're forcing you to get it over and over and over and over again. And so what are they doing? If there's a nanotechnology built into this, it can be intelligent because we have AI that's semient now and and think, and we know this works because we've seen it. And if you look at the substrates through the wet and dry bloods that they're producing, and you've seen these scientists come out talking about this, there's a metallic substance in this substrate, and they can see these darkened particles in there, and when they lay them out, it causes all kinds of problems, because if this was a nanotechnology, it could be a, it could be changing your DNA structure within you once they give it to you. They could actually be hooking it to a 5G network, which then they could control it, and everybody's like, well, that's just crazy, or, well, thought a lot of this stuff up a long time ago, and now they're doing it. So we need to understand that there's some evil people doing some evil things, and through these technologies, they're actually affecting us. Now, there is some conspiracy out there that if they change your or modify your genetic codes through a government program, they actually own you at that moment because they change your genetical structure, and you're not the same person anymore because they've engineered this in you. And so 
Now, if that's which case, isn't so far fetched, yeah, which isn't so far fetched when you think about the Nazi regime again that you brought up. All the experimentation they did on the Jewish people while they were in the Nazi concentration camps, and here you have a uh, a, a global concentration camp where if you elitist and globalists are experimenting on the 8 billion citizens uh, to try to create a master race and uh, preparing for the elimination of all the waste material of humanity. I mean, this doesn't seem so far-fetched anymore, although it's insane. Well, I think this is part of the fentanyl issue. Um, You know, we're trucking up these pounds of fentanyl that could kill millions of people at one time, and Hitler... That's what he used against his population. They were all drug addicts by the time they were done. He had a specific drug he used against them. He would take them to this, what I call the seat of Satan or the temple of Zeus, and he would have this massive light show. And he would be spitting at the crowd, telling them how they're going to change the world and take everything over while these people were drugged up. And it was an insane sight. If you actually go back in the history book and look at this stuff, they had like, you know, big um, aerial lights, and it was a total, it, you know, I guess it would be like you're tripping on it Woodstock or something, you know. I mean, these yeah, people a little acid, right. And so I think that's what they're doing is they're forcing us to dumb us down through the drugs, and then all this propaganda that they're throwing out there that because all the news organizations are bought up by the Soros and different things like that, you're not really getting news out here. So you have to actually go out and find real news um, because there is none. Um, and so this is a problem, and I think this will reoccur at the end. I've talked about Pergamus Turkey as the seat of Satan, the seat of the beast. You have the letter to the churches. He tells us that he's going to destroy the city with his two-edged sword of his tongue, and I believe this is the fifth bowl, and I believe this is where Mystery Babylon is. And I believe if you go to Isaiah 21, when they're taking these people to the Grecian areas, because they've captured them, that this is all looting to Turkey, because Greece, in the time of history, was moved to Constantinople, Turkey, and then the Roman nation formed in the east and west divisions in history. And so another reason I believe that we're in the sorrows and birth pains is that we are now into the seventh kingdom of the Jewish statue of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And the reason I say that is we knew that Daniel was in the head of gold. And so if you look at the eighth kingdom, which is the beast kingdom, as it's indicated, that we have to go back in time to discern where we are in time. So if you go back in the Jewish history, you realize that the Egyptians were the first kingdom that they were under rule. They had the Assyrian was the second kingdom. Then we went to Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, which was the head of gold, or the Neo-Babylonian kingdom. The fourth kingdom was the Medo-Persian kingdom, or the silver breast and arms. And think about that. you got the Medo-Persian empire already listed, and this was part of the beast kingdom at the end. Actually... Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom of the gold, the arms of the silver, and the belly of the bronze will make up the footprint of the global kingdom at the end, as he tells us through Daniel 2 and 7. Once you get to the silver and you move into the the uh, belly and thighs of bronze, you get into the Greco-Macedonian Empire, 
The next kingdom, the sixth kingdom, was the Roman Empire. They were overthrown by the Ottoman Empire, which is the seventh kingdom. I said, look, okay, so now we're in the seventh kingdom. There is no other kingdom between the seventh and the eighth kingdom, which is the beast kingdom. So we're still in the Ottoman Empire time, which was destroyed, they thought, back in World War I during the Treaty of Lausanne in 1923. The Ottoman Empire was vanquished. They broke the Middle East up into the countries they are today. But look at what Erdogan's telling us. After the 100th year in 2023, I'm going to rebuild this Ottoman nightmare again, and I'm going to bring the caliphate against you. And he's been telling us this for about 15 years now. Now, as Putin had for two decades told NATO, and they weren't listening to him, that if you encroach upon me, if you bring your people towards my borders, I will attack you. You aren't listening to me. And what did he do? He attacked them because he wants to rebuild the old Soviet Union. And they were starting to encroach upon him through the West. And he looks at us as being a problem there because we've been promoting this democracy throughout this portion of the world. And Putin says, I really don't want you to do this on my doorstep. So now they're rebuilding that footprint. Erdogan's going to do the same thing. He's going to genocide those Kurds and going to rebuild the old Ottoman Alexander the Great footprint of the past, and that will encompass basically ten full nations of people called radical Muslims, and good Muslims are good Muslims. You know, there's some good Christian Muslims, so it's not a Muslim thing. It's a radical ideology thing within that institution that's going to cause our problem. And if you go to the sixth trumpet, when the Antichrist comes down, he unleashes an army of 200 million upon the planet, which I believe will be the radical Muslims that will try to eliminate the Jews and the Christians or convert them at the end before abomination occurs and we start to see that second half occur um, after abomination. So I think the church needs to waken up and where they are, I think that if you go to Ezekiel 38 and 39, if you go to, especially to Ezekiel 39, and it talks about how Gog of Ezekiel has a bow and an arrow in his hands. We're talking about the white horseman. And that he's going to destroy this man or this being and knock the bow and the arrows out of his hand. And if you go down 39 a little bit, you'll realize that a six-seal event's occurring at that moment because everything on the earth feels it, all animals feel this thing, and it's the wrath of the lamb that's occurring here that's killing Gog, placing him in a grave that will then be resurrected as an antichrist on the sixth trumpet as we move forward. Now, people want to know how bad this is going to get. They want to know how bad it's going to get here. They want to know how bad it's going to get around the world. And I'm going to tell you, it's dismal. It's bleak. It's gray. It's lifeless. And I consider it to be similar to a France-Germany effect where even the children were turning in their parents to gain food and things like that because there is no resources left on the ground. It's going to get that bad. And if you look at the seals and the trumpets, you know it's going to get bad because a quarter of the world is being affected by war in the Bible, but other things are happening around it. And then when you get into the trumpets, a third of the world is decimated by four trumpets. 
which is probably the communist areas, because why would he affect anyone within that believes in Jesus or would be affected by Jesus when the communists don't really believe in him? He'll base them on their works when the book of life is open, and he'll judge them for where they are in time. But think about if you had to break the globe through trumpets, what part would you remove if you were God? I'd remove the communist areas because they don't affect the Muslims, and he doesn't want them to affect them. So I believe that once you finally get to the pit opening on the fifth trumpet and Antichrist comes out, look at the amount of devastation on the ground. People are going to be ready for someone to take away their pain. They'll be thrilled to sign that dotted line because they're going to be so miserable in their time, and they won't understand what's happening out here because the churches haven't really been honest in explaining this to them, and they're not going to be raptured. So they're just in a really bad place. And I always tell people, you know, if you see what's happening now, and you feel the seals are breaking, why are you here? Because you weren't supposed to be here for any of this. You were supposed to go up and 4-1 with John, and never see any of this. So why are you on the ground? Why have I not seen a massive rapture event? Or maybe why shouldn't I be here at this time? You're not going yeah. to get lucky, golden, wonka-free, golden ticket. It's going to be a testing of fire on the ground. He's going to refine us into a vessel that he cares about because we're going to be married to him someday. So he doesn't want a sloppy wife or a bride, he wants people that are going to be sound in his doctrine. He's going to want people that understand it. And if we have all these false people telling you that you're going to be raptured, that Antichrist is already on the ground, really, where? Where is this man? And who will follow a man? You know, when this guy comes popping out of the ground and it's visible because in Ham and Gog they have a burial for seven months before this occurs, it's going to be televised. Everybody in the world is going to see this event occur, and they're going to go, wow, what was that? Is that, is that Jesus? Is that really Jesus? He's going to portray himself to be Jesus, but it's going to be an Allah type of fat. And then they're going to realize, and this is what I think will happen here. We'll have a breakdown, possibly get attacked by China, um, Russia. We could potentially see nukes, but I think a lot of these, especially in the uh, Ukraine will be low-level, uh, one-kiloton nukes that aren't radiated. Because what this would do is they could radiate or they could destroy these areas but then overtake them quickly, and they could remove massive amount of armies. And I, I have a fear of them building up this three or 400,000 army along the Ukrainian border and NATO borders because Russia's right there. He has the capacity to drop bombs on these guys within minutes. And he could change not only the way we look at conventional warfare, because now it's a nuclear warfare, even though it's low grade, but it would change NATO's structure because he would decimate their whole front line in a matter of minutes. And then that would then open up the whole middle or the whole European area to where he could then go in. And he's piggybacking with Iran and, and China. And so they're funneling these weapons to him. I don't think this war is going to go away. He's shut Nord down to use it as a weapon. It went from 40% capacity. It's down to 20% capacity now, and I'm guessing before winter they'll use it as a weapon and shut it off completely. 
that will then force fuels, LPs, natural gas, all this stuff to go up. If we have a massive destruction of a country called Iran in the next six months or less, and I say sort of keep an eye on those fall feasts between the 25th and, like, October 16th, because God always works on his calendar. And I always see things happen around his calendar. And when you look at the old destruction of the temples and stuff, they always happened around the Feast of Trumpets. So we need to watch this, and I believe that Erdogan's not going to sit on this much longer. Um, he's already unleashing massive waves against um, the Iraqis and Syrians. They're complaining about it right now. They're going to the end saying, look, they're, they're, they're out of control here, and we can't fight them, and so we have no ability and so Erdogan's got an open door to basically get to Iran, I believe. <clears throat> Absolutely amazing. Um, for people that are tracking with what you're saying, um, it's such a confirmation of where we are. And uh, there's, there's so much, you know, the, the, the outlay, the general outlay and some of the detail, there's, there's so much that could be spoken into, but it has to fall upon hungry hearts and open ears and people that are really wanting to know what God has to say about what's going on in this world right now. And you're laying that forth beautifully. Um, my goodness. You know, I, I just uh, am, am just pausing here for a moment and just kind of giving a selah to everything that you've shared thus far. And um, it's good. No, it's, it's, what's really yeah, go ahead. I, I studied this book in my own confines. I left the church when I was 13 because I wasn't getting answers. I had had a lot of experiences in my childhood that um, led me to Jesus. And when I left the church at 13, I started my own walk. But when I came out 45 years later, I realized that no one was saying <laughs> anything that I was saying. And I, was, I kept watching people. I'm going, well, why, are, why are you telling me the Antichrist is the first seal? Or why do you think this? seals end up in a bowl phase when I can clearly destroy you in two verses by telling you that the seals open first and then the trumpets occur, and so there's a progression. I build all these different structures and all these different things to lay out on how this book worked. But then when I started to actually try to prove or disprove what I had found, I realized that no one else out here was saying basically anything that I was saying. And so that's when I saw Daniel 8 five years ago and I started to come out, because normally I would not come out unless I thought I saw a, you know, as an analyst, as a computer programmer working for banks, institutions, and cities and municipalities, when I see a problem, I'm supposed to warn people. And so when I saw this problem occurring of Daniel 8 and Isaiah 28, 38, I thought it was my duty to come out and say something about it. Um, I'm not normally a public person, so for me to come out and say anything anyway is pretty unusual. So, But I believe as a watchman, we have to say something, or he tells us that you're just as guilty if you didn't say something. If you see the armies come across the wall and you didn't say anything, you're just as guilty as the people that did this. So if you don't right. say anything... Later, you're going to be judged because you just didn't say anything, and right. I don't want to be in that position. So, Amen. 
this isn't about me or getting my information. Everything on my site is free. Um, all the charts, everything that I've built over the years is free to people so they can go out and see a different perspective, a different optic. And like I say, when you get into that book of Revelation and you can break it down properly and you have a good base to understand how the events are occurring, it's amazing how that opens up the other prophets and how it, the other prophets actually all say the same thing. So if you can unlock that and then you apply it to the other prophets, it's amazing that, you know, it's amazing that if you go to Luke or Mark and uh, Matthew and you overlay them, they're exactly the same thing. They say exactly the same thing. And so this is where, and this is something I would like to talk about. I believe I found a paradigm in the book. If you take the modern-day king of Israel, the past king of Israel, which the modern-day king is Herzog, Isaac Herzog, the old king was Reuben Reuben Revlin, I'm sorry, my dyslexia is getting me. And if you take the king of the north as Turkey or Nebuchadnezzar and you break that down in the book, you'll realize all the prophets were saying exactly the same things. And if you apply the time that the leaders of today have been in office to the times that they stayed in the Bible, it's amazing they all match up. If you look at the book, and let me pull this page because I don't want to state this wrong. I've done a study on this. So if you look at Reuben Revlin and you look at Zedekiah in the book and you Google Zedekiah in, let's say, a biblical uh, context and you bring all of Zedekiah's stuff up, you'll realize that Reuben Revlin has been in the same time that indicates that Zedekiah was in place on the scriptures that he indicates. So a good, a good thought would be, let's say in Zedekiah's time, in this month of this year, of this king, this occurred. You think, well, that's really interesting because I just read that in Matthew, and I also read it in Mark, and I also... So he's telling us that this is important. If you look at Isaac Herzog, I consider him Jehokimum, and I consider Erdogan Nebuchadnezzar. And so... Let me give you one example of what I'm talking about. So it says this. In the 23rd year, okay, let me go to this. Jeremiah 39.2, Jeremiah 52.5, and 2 Kings 25.2, it says this. It came in the days of Jehokimum, which I believe is Isaac Herzog of today, the son of Jehoah, king of Judah, unto the end of the seventh year of Zedekiah. Okay, so Isaac Herzog was just elected this year or in 21, and Reuben Revlin spent seven years prior to this in office because they only get one term. It's seven years long, and then they have to be excused, and another person takes over. So Isaac, Reuben Revlin's been in since 2014 to 2021. Isaac Herzog's been in there since 2021, and Erdogan's been in office since he was elected in 2002. These are important dates. So if you go into these prophecies, it says, look, on a specific date, on a specific year of this king, this is going to happen. And so if you look at this, it says, the, 
it came in the days of Jehokimum. So in the days of Jehokimum, today would be the first year of uh, 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 Herzog. And then the 11th year of Zedekiah. So if you take that and you take both those dates, the 11th year of Zedekiah would be 2025, because he was brought in in 2014. The year of Zedekiah would be in 2025, because he would be there four years. So it lines up with these new kings. And if you go to Erdogan, it tells us, that he will be in there 23 years by 25. And so it says in the 20, in the 3 and 20 year of Nebuchadnezzar, okay, that would go to 25, the captain of the guard carried away the Jews and, and 40 and 5 persons, all the persons, to Babylon. Okay. So if you break all these names down and you bring it up, you actually come up with a timeline. It works on the parable of the fig tree. I've actually posted this out here, and it's extremely complicated, so I would like to have a different time to just explain this. What I'm getting at is this. If we have a paradigm in front of us that works from past to future, and I believe God has shown us everything in the past that will occur today because he tells us he'll show us everything before it occurs, or he'll tell someone so we understand what's coming before it happens. He always tells us, He'll let us know first that if this has happened, we actually have a potential roadmap to the end, that we can actually see the events occurring. And then if you place it within the parable of the fig tree, which is the fourscore nation of Israel, that all things must occur before that nation or that generation ends. Okay, okay Jim, well, uh, Jim, Jim, hold on what? one second. Hold on one, one second, more? please. Okay, yeah. I, I want you to get there, but we need to stop just for a moment. Okay, Uh, the fig tree, you just brought up the fig tree. This is really important right now, and I need everybody listening because I'm going to share something here in just a little bit about this, and this is marvelous and miraculous, and Patricia can confirm this here in just a little bit if we need a confirmation. Uh, This, you're talking about the fig tree. Could you go into a little bit of detail? about this fig tree that you're talking about um, and, and so that the listeners can right now really kind of tap into what you're saying. This is significant. Please. Yes, yes. This is extremely important. I believe this also is a main indicator of where we are in time, and I believe people don't understand the generational trees that God gives us. So in Psalm 90:10, he tells us something extremely important. A normal generation is three score and ten, which is 70 years. And a strong generation is four score, which is 80 years. So if you go into the building of the nation of Israel, which was formed in May 14th of 1948, the generation of the normal generation would have ended in 2018, May 14th. But the strong generation will end on May 14th of 2028. And this is extremely important because I believe that if you go from that date and work back to the fall feast of 27, this is when we're going to see possibly the rapture of the church and the Lord coming back because he does everything on his time schedule within his feast. And so when Jesus was here originally, he fulfilled the spring feast. 
And the Jews believe this. This is something they've always considered that when Jesus was here originally, he fulfilled the spring feast. But the fall feast won't be fulfilled until he comes back. And so I believe if we look at the end of 27, between October 2nd and October 17th, which is the time of the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Kippur, and Feast of Tabernacles, this is possibly the rapture time. Um, it would happen during the Feast of Trumpets, as it indicates on the seventh trumpet. And then shortly after that, we would be taken away before he places down the wrath of God or the, the seven bowls in Revelation 15 because we're not appointed for the wrath of God. And that's another thing. You know, everybody thinks we're not appointed for any of this. It tells us that we're not appointed for the bowls or the wrath of, the, of God, not the wrath of the Lamb, which is in six. We're not appointed for the wrath of God in Revelation 15:1. So, if you look at Revelation 15:1 and 2, he hand, what happens? He hands out the bowl, and in 15:2 we see a mingling of the sea of people, which is the rapture event, and then he sends out the bowls and they drop it on the wick of their left. And so, I think if you look at that procession, you'll realize that we're here until basically the bowl phase starts, and then we're removed. Um, but, and I think that's why it's so important that we understand how to read those 22 books properly, because if you break them down, then you realize there is a procession of events. You don't then take the seals and overlap them, and you can actually see the exact procession of events. But once you overlay that on top of the paradigm, which works, which, well, this is what really blew my mind on the paradigm. So I had built a structured chart on the parable of the fig tree and how it would affect us based on Daniel's times that he tells us. He tells us four times, actually three, but I added a fourth one, that is important. You have 1,260 days, 1,290 days, 1,335 days, and 2,300 mornings and nights. And he says, you need to understand these dates. Why? Because this tells us where we are in time. So if you take the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, which is on October 17th of 2027, and you work that back 2,300 days, that takes us to June 21st of 2020, I believe, if my memory is right. So that's another indication that we possibly are in the sorrows right now, because that date falls within that timeline of when Erdogan came out and where we are today. And so this is extremely important. And that if we look at all these different events, we're going to start to see how this lines up where we are today. And so I think it's extremely important that once you overlay, okay, so what I was going to get to is I had built this chart of the parable of the fig tree and I worked this back. Now, on the 1260 days, we know that's the time between the signing of the treaty and the abomination, because he tells us he's here for a short period of time, then he'll create abomination. This is the time of tribulation, not within the sorrows, because that happens before. If you plugged in all those dates that I went over in the paradigm, it was amazing. I did not change the chart at all. And I did this in documentation on my videos because I had not found the paradigm. I built the parable fig tree chart first. 
But when I found the paradigm, it was amazing when I laid all these dates out with all these modern-day kings and how they affected us today compared to what they did in the past. It laid out within the chart perfectly. I didn't have to adjust anything. So that really made me concerned that possibly this is real, and I don't know. But if it is a roadmap to the end, we do know how to get there. Um, I am concerned that if I have found something like that and it matters, um, that it might leak to the other side. But I believe God will veil it from the people that he doesn't want it to see and that he wants his people to understand what's coming. All right. Very, very good. Uh, just an explosion of thought here. And there's a, a tremendous amount of information that has to be gathered up and understood and uh, boiled down into um, you know, an understanding in our hearts and minds. Uh, let me let me explain why I felt as though this fig tree understanding is super important. Um, and I'm going to do that here in just a little bit. Um, you know, Jim, in the days of Noah, for 120 years, I believe it was, uh, he was trying to wake people up to a reality of the times that they were living in. And they turned a deaf ear to him and they mocked him. They ridiculed him. Um, and eight people, as we understand it, got into that ark uh, on that day that God shut the door. And uh, the world that had the revelation and had the information and had the knowledge and had the truth, but it had totally rejected everything that was being given to it uh, through an apprehended vessel. Um, it's so real about today. And this is one of the things that Jesus said it would be like the days of Noah. And one of those aspects is a total rejection of the truth, of the revelation, of there is something coming, uh, and it has to do with your eternal soul. It's called salvation. And if you do not get into this ark, which is Christ, if you do not enter in and, and receive uh, what he's telling you, uh, your eternal damnation, the eternal doom of your soul is, is what's going to be required. And it's the consequence of rejecting the knowledge of the truth or mocking or scoffing at that. So, so many time, things are showing us that we're in this particular time frame. Jim, you've, you've shared a lot of information here today, and I think that most of us are going, we need to listen to this again. Uh, we need to hear this again. Um, I want to get into a, just a little bit of uh, thought here, but I need to law my own mind for a moment. Uh, what else, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today? You know, just what you were saying, that they weren't listening at the end, and even Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, and all these guys almost gave up at the end because no one was listening. Jeremiah actually took a year off. He's like, you're not going to listen to me. I'm just going to shut up, you know, because yeah. you're not paying ah. attention. Ezekiel used right. to put little plates on and say, yeah. to try to get them to notice him, and they still wouldn't yeah. listen to him. I keep saying, yeah. you know, this is one of the things I've had this dream about the silver ball, and I feel like I'm being silent and not allowing the information to go out, and no one's listening. And this is awesome that you're giving me this platform to present these new concepts and ideas to. Um, I just want people to realize probably the, one of the things you need to really understand the most is the white horseman is not antichrist, and that we're going to see this war come across the Middle East in the near future within the next few years, and Erdogan will die with his armies and this will start a new phase. But by the time we get to that new phase, it's going to be pretty bleak on the ground, 
and people just don't have the resources and they don't have the knowledge to really know what's coming. And he tells us this is going to be the worst time in history combined. So we need to understand the gravity of where we are and where we are in time. Well, you're absolutely right about that. And um, what's being said here today, and, and this is the miraculous Uh, that we're going to get into here in just a moment, because this is a miraculous conversation. People may not realize that yet, uh, but before we get off the air, I think people are going to know how just miraculous this is. Um, And we don't have a lot of time. And I think the message to people everywhere, you know, the final call, you know, for the soul to be saved of mankind, to repent, to confess his sin, uh, to come into the uh, acknowledgement of the truth and uh, receive the grace of God. We just are, it's wrapping up so rapidly and it's coming to a conclusion so quickly. Um, we have, know, a, flesh, was, we have a flesh on the ground and we're trying to save spirits or souls. And so we have to forget about this material being that we are and we have yeah. to get people across the line. And that's to open their eyes, their minds and see where they are in time so they they can go out and tell other people. So if we have a proper message and they can see it based on Scripture and how it's really broke down, then they'll be an actual warrior in God because they'll have the truth in their hand and they'll be able to go out and fight him because that's the only weapon really have at the end is the word. Amen. Hey, Jim, if people want to study some of your material, how do they do it? Where do they go to get the information? I'm on a free WIC site, um, which has no ability to sell anything to anybody but just basic information, and that is at endofdayssurvival.com. So there'll be two S's between days and survival. So it's endofdayssurvival.com. You can also go out to, uh, I've got videos on YouTube um, under James. Boltemeyer, the last name is B-U-L-T-E-M-E-I-E-R. And then you can also find my information on Jim Boltemeyer on Facebook. Um, but I, I just post current events out there so I can warn my friends and family and people around me what I see coming. All right. So there it is on the screen right now, endofdayssurvival.com. And, uh, Jim, your last name is B-U-L-T-E-M-E-I-E-R, Jim Boltemeyer. You can find it there as well. Uh, What kind of background is that, Jim? What's that national background on Boltemeyer? Is that German? Um, uh, Mainly German, which is amazing. German trying to save Jews. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Amen to that. Well, you're doing the next. On that front page, something really important. I have four PDF files. And on those PDFs, you just click on, it will have all my charts, graphs, paradigms, uh, how to read the 22 books properly. It breaks down the statue of Nebuchadnezzar's uh, dream. It also breaks down the 12 chapters of Daniel and how all the chapters align with where we are today. And so all those PDFs and all those resources are out there for you to see. And this is my work. Um, there's no one else behind me. I'm trying to present this to you. And I'm always telling people, don't buy what I say. Go find it for yourself. Look at what I'm telling you and present that information. Read it for you in your own Bible. Make sense of it to yourself. Don't ever take a man's word for anything. 
Go out and Amen. look at it. Absorb this Amen. stuff and find the truth because that's what this is about is finding the truth. So. Amen. Well, Jim, thanks for joining me on the air. You did an outstanding job. We appreciate it. And I'm, I'm sure we're going to hear much more from you in the days that lie ahead, Lord willing. Uh, so thank you. Have a, yeah, God bless you and have a super blessed weekend, okay? I just care about the people out here, and I want them to see the truth and know what's coming so they can prepare better. Thank you very Amen. much for the platform. <laughs> you betcha. All right, Jim Boltemeyer. Uh, remember, endofdayssurvival.com, endofdayssurvival.com. Uh, it's on the screen right now. Um, it's 10:15. Uh, obviously, our lines are always open. The number to call, 818-369-0326, um, and then press 1 on the dial pad. But I want to share a miracle for those of you that are tuned in right now. And, and I, I mean, it's a miracle. There's no, there's no other way to say it. Um, I came to our congregation about two weeks ago and shared the same thing. I said, this is an absolute miracle and had to do with the prophetic days that we are living in, in the prophetic third and seventh days. And, um, something happened yesterday. And then Jim just brought it up again. This is a third witness. It's a confirmation. Um, so let me begin by um, just going back to that May 14th, 1948, okay? Um, I was thinking about that yesterday as I was just kind of being before the Lord about the generation that we are living in since May 14th, 1948. And I remembered hearing a prophecy called the fig tree prophecy. And some people, yeah, some people, nah. Um, I looked at it and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I felt like it was really Holy Spirit unctioned. Um, and when you get away from the technical, you know, theological side of things, and you allow the Holy Spirit to unveil a mystery to your mind, I felt this was very, very powerful and very uh, potentially um, you know, just a, a, an eye-opening revelation, the spirit of revelation and wisdom and knowledge. And uh, I'm okay with that because it ties into everything that's going on in our world today. So I was thinking about May 14th, 1948. And um, I, I just want to reveal something to you. You know, in, on May 14th, 1948, Israel uh, became um, and, and what I find significant about this is that in 70 A.D., so if you put the days, the time together, 70 A.D., and you count 1,900 years, um, you're, you're getting, you know, that would be 19, uh, you know, I guess you would put a 19, that would be 1,930 years later or whatever, and then you have your 48. So whatever it is. We know over 1,900 years of time went by when there was no Israel, when there was no, uh, there, there, there were not a people, there was not a people called Israel in their own homeland. You have uh, historical data about a, uh, a race of people that in 70 AD were scattered to the ends of the earth and went into other nations and tried to live normal lives. And they went into different places, and uh, they had their families, and they had their jobs, and they integrated into societies everywhere around the world, but they had no nation of their own. Germans 
may integrate in societies around the world and live here, there, and everywhere else, but they have Germany. They have their own homeland, okay? So, and of course, America was a melting pot of nations, but for over 1,900 years, the Jewish people, the Israelis, the Hebrews, have no homeland. And then on May 14, 1948, now, that is the month ER, by the way, in the Hebrew calendar. I want to give you the, the Hebrew calendar month. So May 14, 1948, in the Gregorian calendar, when you convert that to the Jewish calendar, you're talking about the fifth day of ER, which in the Bible is known as Zif or Zev. Okay, you spell Z-I-F in your Bible. It's mentioned twice. But this is the same month. So ER and Zev or Zif are the same month. And so May 14, 1948 was the fifth day of ER, Zev, in the year 5708, 5708. So what is significant about that? Well, the meaning of the name Zif or ER, all right, I-Y-Y-A-R, E-R. So ER, Zif. That, that name means, which was the second month in the Hebrew calendar, first one being Nisan. So the, 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 the name Zif actually means, or ER, means brightness, prominent, a time of flowers, splendor, cheerful, glory, boast, magnificent. And it's interesting that after 1,900 years of a scattered people, that in that month, the regathering began, the Aliyah, the, the going up to Jerusalem, the return back home. So here we have, and it was happening before that, all the way back to 1896, I believe, and, uh, where Zionism was coming together and Herzl. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of history behind this I don't want to get into right now. But uh, in 1948, you have a, their own state where the people – even though they had been going back to Palestine. Uh, but now in 1948, here's a people going back to their own homeland, their own state. In the year of brightness, in the year that was prominent, in the year of splendor, in the year of cheerfulness, in the year of glory, in the year of boast, in the year of magnificence, right? The month, the month, okay, the month. And it was a prominent time, and it was a bright time, and it was a cheerful time, and it was a splendid time, and it was a time of boasting and glory, and a magnificent moment in the history of the world where after the first time in any other people group on the face of the earth, after being scattered for 1,900 years, were brought back together. Significant. So that lends to the quality of the fig tree prophecy. And so yesterday, as I was laying before the Lord, and I just out of nowhere started getting this download about May 14, 1948, the fig tree prophecy. And so I studied and I listened to some of the teachings that I've heard about these things, and I turned on a 14-minute recording of one of the best laying forths of the, of the fig tree prophecy I've ever heard in my life. And so I, I'm, and Patricia walked in the room, and she needed help in the kitchen, and she said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm just studying and getting a download 
on the fig tree prophecy. And, um, you know, and I, and I just, this is going on in my spirit. I'm studying, studying, studying. Later on in the evening last night, we, uh, we had some extra time, and so we turned on our Christian movies, and one of them was the classic end-time movie. Uh, it had to do with the New World Order. It was shocking to hear what they were saying again in the 1970s and the time that we're in right now about the New World Order and, the, you know, all of it. It was all there. But at the very end of the movie, just like the other one a couple of weeks ago that brought up the third day and the seventh day, at the very end of the movie, this woman is talking and she's bringing up to this man that she's ready to, she's converting to Christ um, about the fig tree prophecy. And I'm listening, I'm going, are you kidding me? This movie, no movies talk about the fig tree prophecy. Here I am hours earlier studying this download Holy Spirit and all of a sudden, in this movie, they're talking about the fig tree prophecy, about the final generation since Israel became a nation in 1948. And then what Jim just brought up, again, in Psalm chapter 90, verse 10, that man's days would be three score and 10 or 70 years, and if by strength, four square or 80 years, and then it is cut off suddenly and we fly away. And what this talks about is the generation that's going to fly away. Well, the only generation that we know of that's going to fly away is the generation immediately after the great tribulation, the dead in Christ will rise and we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's kind of like flying away, right? Think about it. Just be just think be just be thoughtful for a moment. A generation is 70 years 80 if by strength, but what Psalm 90 verse 10 actually says is that suddenly, that at the 80-year mark, suddenly it'll be cut off and we fly away. That is what people have called the harpazo or the catching away or meeting the Lord in the air. Okay, that's a flying away. It's very powerful. Now, some people might say, well, at 80 years old, we're going to all, you know, we're, we're going to fly away in our souls. You know, there's always another something. But tying it into the prophecy of the timeline of 70 years, 80 years, Israel, the fig tree. And you say, well, why is Israel fig tree? Because it's actually called a fig tree. And when you get to the prophecy that Jesus laid forth in a parable, he talks about Israel being a fig tree. When you see the fig tree put forth its tender branches, you know that it's nigh. So Jesus said that would be the final generation. So when you put it all together and you study it out, you have a nation that came back together from death. It was literally born again on 1948. It came back from death, allegorically speaking, Israel. And it has grown and it has prospered and has become its own nation with its own capital in Jerusalem uh, that Joe Biden's trying to undo again right now. Um, but it doesn't matter. You have a nation that has put forth its branches and has borne fruit, and it is, it is a thriving nation that is impacting the world in many different ways through technology and security, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There it is. And you and I are living in the context of this generation from 1948. Today, Israel is 74 years young. In six years, it'll bring us to the 80th year, which would be 2028. 
You, you and I are living in the countdown of the entirety of 80 years. Then it will cut off and we fly away. Interesting prophecy. So when I was listening to this last night about the fig tree prophecy, and, it was, and I was restudying it in my, in my thought and then listening to it in a YouTube video, about a 14-minute YouTube video clip, the most magnificent laying forth of that prophecy I've ever heard before in my life, I realized that God is speaking in precision right now. And, and it's hard to say to you, it's hard to convince anybody, it's hard to say, you, our time frame of human existence of 6,000 years wrapping up, because that's where we are, since time began in the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, when he fell and time began, we're at the end of 6,000 years and entering into a seventh day. And right in the middle of the ending of six days and the beginning of a seventh day is a birthing canal. And we are right there. We're in the beginning of sorrows right now, as Jim was laying forth in the opening of the seals. And it ties into Matthew 24, verses 48, and Mark chapter 13, and you know, Luke 21, we are in the beginning of sorrows. It has begun, and that's what you're experiencing all over the world. The labor pains of a global shaking because there's a birthing coming of an antichrist in a three-and-a-half-year great tribulation period that's very plain. A third grader could get it because it's so written so easily, and we, and we don't have to be complicated about it. So we're literally here right now, and I don't know how that, you know, it affects you, but we're in this time frame. Not only the prophetic third day and the prophetic seventh day, the wrapping up of this 2,000 years of the church age, coming into the kingdom age on the third day, uh, not only the wrapping up of six days of mankind, you know, but coming into the seventh day of a Shabbat, the 1,000-year millennial reign. And again, the leaving of the second day and entering into the third day, the leaving of the sixth day and entering into the seventh day, there's a little place called the Great Tribulation, the birthing canal, from one to another. It's like Israel leaving uh, Egypt and having to cross over the Red Sea into the wilderness and then leaving the wilderness, crossing over the Jordan into the Promised Land. We're leaving something. You've got to cross through something. You've got to get through something to get to the other side. The Great Tribulation is the canal. It is what we have to go through and it's always aligned to a, a woman in travail. It's a birthing. You have to go through the water of the birth pangs. You have to go through the water of the water breaks, you know, the birthing. And this all ties into where we are right now because we're leaving something. And all that's happening in the world that's shaking the earth and is about to be met with three and a half years of dread tribulation that has never been before, will never be again. And it will be worse than at any other time in the history of the world. That's why these dreams are coming. That's why this revelation is coming. That's, and God is trying to tell people, you are that close to the end of everything. Now, the end of a, uh, of a peaceful American existence, which hasn't been global, Persecution has broken out around the world, but the end of all things is at hand. The great tribulation is coming, which is a global satanic reality. Those who are alive and remaining and endure to the end, there's some great things cut off suddenly, three and a half years, 
we fly away because the Lord returns immediately after the great tribulation, according to scripture, not just thoughts and ideas. So how do you tell people, how do you say to people, it's that close? How does Noah tell a generation it's that close? Preaching, begging, warning, only to be jeered at and mocked and scoffed and argued with. I don't know how to explain it other than to just tell you. It's almost over. We're in the final countdown of an 80-year generation known as Israel, the fig tree nation that put forth its branches. And in Scripture, Israel is called a fig tree. And Jesus used the fig tree parable to tell us a secret for those who are willing to dig it out and uncover it. On the one side, it's marvelous, majestic. It is absolutely amazing where we are in time right now. And I always wondered why, you know, why do we spend our lives telling people, telling people, warning people, warning people? And what we've been doing is warning people of what they're going to have to prepare for to go through to get to the other side. The other side is the miraculous. It is the eternal. It is the bliss of heaven. It is the uncomprehensible, um, unimaginable reality of the greatest day that you've ever had on planet Earth multiplied by 10 billion times and it never ends, heaven, as opposed to the worst day you've ever had multiplied 10 billion times and never, ever getting away from it. That's hell, eternal death. So where we're going and what we're going to go through to get to the other side and enter into is more magnificent than anything could ever be expressed. There's no words to express it. And yet we have to go through. So we've warned, 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 warned. But The beginning of sorrows has begun. So you want to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. You want to be in your Goshen. You want to be in your ark. You have to build it. You have to prepare it. You have to get everything ready. You have to know that whatever the ark is, wherever it is, if it's from God, God will protect it. um, And he'll shut the door. And you'll go through. 1,260 days. 1,260 days, 500 days into the Great Tribulation, 500 days, think about it. You won't be able to buy or sell during that time, those 500 days, the first 500 days, meaning you got another 760 days to go. How are you going to be faring? How did you prepare? Where are you going to be? Are you going to give in? Are you going to throw in the towel? Are you going to defect from the truth? Because you're going to have to sign your name to get the mark of the beast, to buy your food and to buy your clothing and to Pay for your heat and your air conditioning. And how are you going to get through? If, you, if you're in a 115-degree temperature and there's no air conditioner, how are you going to make it? You're in negative below zero temperatures and you're freezing and you don't have any uh, propane. What are you going to do to get heat? How are you going to survive 1,260 days without going, being able to go to the grocery store, without being able to have money, cash, goods, services, pay your bills, pay your insurance, drive a car, get your gas. How are you going to live through those days? Some people say, well, we're not. We're going to be out of here in the pre-tribulational rapture. But that's not reality. That's a make-believe story to help people cope with a reality they don't want to really deal with. 
which we're going to be talking about Saturday night in detail this Saturday night, tomorrow night. We're going to go into detail about this again. But how are you going to live? Well, if you're in Goshen, God will give you light when there's darkness all over the world. God will give you everything you need. If you have an ark prepared and you're in that ark during these days and the door is shut, nobody's going to bother you. You're going to ride out the storm. You're going to have your food. You're going to have your water. You're going to have your energy sources. You're going to have clothing. You're going to be prepared for everything and anything if you're preparing properly. If you're sitting back twiddling your thumbs waiting for somebody to do the work for you, you're probably in more trouble than you've ever dreamed. And I would hate to be in that position in the days that lie ahead. I don't know how to tell you, saints. I'm giddy about it, and I'm concerned about it all at the same time. It's a, it's a very uh, interesting spiritual condition. But it's really happening. It's really happening. It's not make-believe. There's no way. There's no way that the way this is being precisely the precision, the sharpness, the exactness of what the Spirit of God is saying and doing right now, it's impossible to be deception. It is impossible to be satanic, demonic, false. It is too perfect. God is speaking in precision. He is being precise. And you look around the world and you see the signs of the times and you look through the biblical lens and you give interpretation of what you see. It only measures up to what God is already saying. And he's sharing it with you. He's sharing it with me. And this is because he loves the fact that we are tuning into him. And when you get into the frequency of God and you get men's ideas and thoughts out of the way, and you understand and you tune in, and the frequency becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. And everything that Jim Bultemeyer just shared with us about everything going on around the world at the same time, you get to this moment and you say, this is not pretend, this is not religion, this is not fanaticism, this is not drama, this is not just, it's just truth being spoken to us. We're that close talking. I mean, the completed 80-year generation is 2028. Does that mean that we have to go all the way to 2028? Absolutely not, because the generation is between 70 and 80 years. But it does say at the 80-year mark, suddenly it gets cut off and we fly away. I don't know if you've read the scripture or not. Let me just read it to you out of Psalm chapter 90. Verse 10, Psalm chapter 90, verse 10, reads this way. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. That's threescore, 20 years for a score. That's 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are or they be four square years or 80 years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, so 80 years, but it's labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Wow. What is Jesus talking about? What is the, what is the Spirit of the Lord talking about? 
I have this video, if you're interested in the 14-minute uh, clip um, that I shared with my daughter yesterday, and I want to share it with as many people that want to see it. Um, you know, I, I probably could have put it on the air and kind of put it out there. I probably should have. So between 70 and 80 years representing a generation, we're so close. We're in the beginning of sorrows. What if all these beginning of sorrows are going to rapidly accelerate now? The final major ones better start accelerating, right? Intensify, accelerate, bam, 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 bam. Weather patterns, war, food, shortages, quality of food, diminished, price of food, soaring, gasoline, pestilence, violence, division, you know, you just go on down the list of everything that's happening, economic imbalance, all of it is happening, right? More pestilences, new diseases, acceleration, leading to a global crisis where they're going to beg because billions are going to be dead. You know that could happen in a year, in, in 12 months. It could happen in six months. It could happen in three months. It could happen with today's modern technology in one month. How many people supposedly died from COVID-19? Come on. Millions around the world, they said, died. It could happen so fast. You have no idea how fast this is going to come. And I suspect right now we're going to see an acceleration of intensified birth pangs. They're going to hit and go so fast and so hard that it's going to, you're not going to be able to keep up with it. But it's going to bring us... To the great tribulation what if that actually begins in 2023 2024 and leads us into 2028 or what if some people say you're already in the great tribulation well maybe so maybe that brings us to 2024 a period of time marking 2020 right and the great tribulation is three and a half years and it began in the spring of 2020 and all of a sudden, you take that three and a half years and you wind up in 2024. And, you know, who knows? I mean, the, the, the day and the hour knows no man, but the times, the seasons, we, we, we're in it. And I'm just wanting to say to you that there's a miraculous unfolding of Bible prophecy that is so genuine, so real, so precise, that if you have your ear to the bosom of Jesus and you're, and you're listening to the beating of his heart, you begin to recognize and understand and realize we are it. We are the final generation. And this is the final call. This is it. And every day that we have, we need to be get clarified and unconfused and unplugged and understand the times that we are in. I want to be on the right side of this day. I don't want to be on the wrong side of this day. I want to be on the light side of the day. I want to be in Christ Jesus, hid in him. I want my life to be hid in him. I want to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. I don't want to have my mind, my heart on the things of this world being distracted by the deceitfulness of riches or having the word of God choked in my heart because I'm concerned about the things of this world. 
or I don't want to have any offenses in my heart or any bitter roots or any unforgiveness. I want nothing in my heart that's going to be a stone that's going to prevent the word from going deep and producing good fruit. I don't want to be casual listener, one foot in, one foot out, lukewarm. I want to have good soil in my heart, and I want to produce the hundredfold, the hundredfold, the hundredfold fruit of the spirit in the divine nature of God, operative, active in my life, along with whosoever else will, right? This is where I want to dwell. This is where I want to be. I want to be a real follower of Christ, a real Christian, not a a mere mediocre Christian. I want to be all in, 100% all in, not holding back a tenth of a percent, not 99.99999, all in, following God, following Jesus, changing day by day, being renewed day by day, being transformed by the renewing of my mind and conformed into the image of the firstborn son. I desire to be the new creation species, living in the world at the last days, alive and remaining, making it through not only the sorrows, but going into the tribulation, the anguish, and yet walking right through it because I'm prepared and going through with my family, the family of God, my brothers, my sisters, and we're going through. And we're not needing the world system that's going to be shaken to the ground. And the, and the powers of darkness are going to, have to try to put a system in place that they have to deal with whoever else is left on the planet. But God will have his pockets of people in their arcs, in their refuge, in their Goshen, hidden. I, I know he's going to do it. I know God is going to protect what belongs to him. I know he is. And it's, it's not going to be the best fortified place on the planet. It's going to be wherever God has told you and I to build our lives. We need to understand that we are on a divine path, a divine leading of the Holy Spirit to bring us to where we are. My God, it's so precise. Everything is in the realm of precision. It's not a little awkward or, well, maybe what about this and what No, the precision is what I'm calling the miraculous, the miraculous precision, the precise hand of God, the precise moving of the spirit of the living God. And you have to know that for your life as well. You have to understand it. You have to get it. And and all I'm saying is this is what's happening with us. We're, We're into a precision. And I believe it's because God has brought us into leadership and to Uh, to assist in helping others into what God is doing right now. Number one, the confession of all sin, repenting of all sin, working out your salvation with fear and trembling, putting off the old man, putting on the new man. I mean, really pleading the blood of Jesus, walking in faith, knowing the work is done. It's not our best work. It's having complete and total faith and trust in what Jesus Christ has done for us, that he's done for the whole world, but so many are rejecting him And they're believing lies, and they're about to be damned in eternal destruction. And we want to reach out and say a final call to the unbelieving, rebellious, sinful world, a final call of God's grace, mercy, and love. How much time do you have? I don't know. I don't know when the door will shut. It's just too genuine to be a mistake. We're in it. Folks, we're at the end We are at the end. 
and the global agenda and the, the elite of the world and the Luciferian worshipers, the priesthood of Satan, whatever you want to call them, whoever they are, their day of doom is before them if they don't repent. It's only going to last for a period, but there will be an ushering in of the satanic. Lucifer must come. The Antichrist must come. The beast must come. The dragon must come to power. There must be global, worldwide governmental control. But this time, the spirit of the Antichrist, fully embodied in the world with the devil, with the dragon, with the demons, the entire empire of Satan in the, the demonically possessed mankind. I, it, it's just so amazing. That God's word is so right, and there's no turning back. You're in it. There is no going back. The only going back is the apostasy, the defecting from the truth because you can't handle the reality. So you need to go back into a paradigm of being deluded and deceived and feeling good about it because you don't have to deal with it. You'll have your mark of the beast. You'll buy your clothing, you'll buy your food, you'll have your water, you'll go to the restaurants, you'll pay your mortgage bills, you'll be able to fit into the global end time one world government after the reduction population of billions of people on the earth. You'll fit right in and eat your meat and whatever they're going to serve you up because you can't handle the truth because your soul is not ready because you've held on to your sin. You've wanted to maintain a little bit of something for yourself. And you can't make this that way. And so you may find yourself in the great tribulation and say, man, I didn't prepare for it, but I don't want the mark of the beast. And you're going to have to be a martyr. You're going to have to die. You're going to die to death. You're going to have to cleanse your robes in the blood of the lamb in your faith in Christ at that time and, you know, awaken to the resurrection after, the, after you die. So it's just absolutely precise what's going on here. And to convince one person that you need to start living your life right now like this is it. This is it. This is it. The only way out is to defect. Abandon the enlightenment. Abandon the revelation. Abandon the truth of what you're clearly seeing and hearing right now. It's all around you. But the, the veil could come back on your mind and you won't see it the way, other, it, the way that God's showing it. And you'll slip right back into the delusion. Defect from the truth. That's the apostasy. Because I'm not prepared to handle what's coming down the pike. I'm just not prepared to handle it. Got a number of comments coming in. Let's take a look-see at what's going on here this morning. Good morning to Kevin Hauger, one of the first with us today. Good morning. And again, happy anniversary to you and Cindy. I trust you guys had a brilliant uh, anniversary uh, time together. Uh, Pastor Melissa Fletcher was with us all day today. Jim Boltmeyer obviously was with us on the air. Kevin said solar flares, war fallout, and the further development of lands, i.e. wildfires and such. In the spiritual side, God knew this many, many years, thousand plus before any of us were born. He sure did. Cindy Mespin is with us this morning. Good morning, Pastor morning, Cindy. God bless you. Aren't you glad to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now with the veil completely removed and seeing things as clearly as you do? I know it's true. Kevin Hager, yes, he made this earth pure in design going forward, but man has placed his hand into it, causing its changes. I believe God has allowed man to live in his making of this situation. Right on, Kevin. 
Pastor Jeff Bassett asked a question earlier. We already went through that. Good morning, Pastor Jeff. Uh, Jim Boltmeyer, he said, here is the par- parable of the fig tree prophecy or paradigm. And you can find that again by going to www.endofdayssurvival.com, and you'll find the fig tree prophecy. Thank you, Jim. Uh, Jim also said 4,000 year to the rising of Jesus, 2,000 years of today, 1,000 year of the millennium. The world took seven days to create with one day of rest. The creation theory, Psalm 90:10 matters, fall feast, 2027. Whoo, mama mia, it's all there, right, Jim? As precise as precise could be. Hebrews 12.1 says, Cindy Messman, we need to look at that. Uh, Hebrews 12.1, let's see. Uh, oh, gosh, let's see. Hebrews 12.1. Let's go see. Which should be something about um, good stuff. Let's see. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful passage. Uh, Jim Boltmeyer, please prepare and put oil in your lamps. The next five years are going to be brutal, but with faith and preparation, we can be ready. Well said. Shirley Woolsley, hope to be in your area next week, praying for safe travels, looking forward to being in church with my Christian family. Amen. Looking forward to seeing you and Mike. God bless you. Safe journeys to you. Jim Boltmeyer, how Enoch's 70 shepherds prophecy and the paradigm of the three modern day kings work together. Go look at that as well. Cindy Messman, amen, amen. Running a race, amen. Where are you at? Where are you at? What are you doing? Stir the anointing. Stir the gift of God. Rejoice in the revelation and the unveiling. If you're, like, if you're taking this lightly, you're dead. You need to come alive. You need to wake up. You need to get stirred and know what time it is. And look at things from an eternal perspective and a biblical perspective. Your greatest days are ahead of you. And you've got to prepare to go through a, two, through a few rough days. We've got to do it. Are we going to do it together? Hey, church, I know that it's the best thing that God would gather his people into his ark. Oh, would you gather together? Hey, I want you to put on your calendar that from October 9th through October 16th, we will be hosting the Feast of Tabernacles right here in the ark. You think maybe God has a strategic plan for those that will come and honor him during his feast of the Lord? I believe he always does, and he has for 32 years. We've been celebrating and hosting the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, we're doing it again this year. October 9th, October 9th to October 16th. Come on out to the Ark, Northwest Arkansas. There are hotels and restaurants. You could actually come to the Ark and camp out in a tent or take an RV or whatever it is. We're welcoming all the believers to come to the Feast of Tabernacles to hear the word of the Lord. We've got wonderful guest speakers on their way. Pastor Kevin Honeycutt will be here. Brother Daniel Seckham will be with us. We're believing he's going to have an exodus out of his Egypt over there in Australia. Uh, we have Pastor Melissa Fletcher is going to be with us. We have others uh, that are going to join us. And we just want to praise God for the ingathering of the saints who are on the same page. So if you're a follower of this ministry, you need to make arrangements to be at the Feast of Tabernacles October 9th through October 16th. 
and I'll get back into the rest of the speakers. My God, we're going to have an amazing time. No rush. We're going to get away from this world. We're going to lock ourselves in the presence of God. We're going to stay with the Lord for eight, nine days, and we're just going to be with him. We're going to listen to one speaker after another, and then we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to move upon members of the body of Christ. We're going to see how things really work and what God is going to do. And we want to take this off the earthen plane and bring it into the spiritual plane. We want to leave behind the naturalness of things into the supernatural of things. We want to get in the spirit. We want to get into the spirit, not the flesh, not the soul, not the thing that is able to emulate and look so close to what is right, but be in the right. And I believe this is the precise moment. Folks, we're in a precise moment and you need to move with it. I believe it. I believe it. Man, so much, so much is happening. So much is being said. So much is taking place so quick. Let's put it out like this. I'm going to make a wager, a godly wager. Let's see. Because, because it's inevitable. And again, if you're watching the news right now, 15 people dead in Kentucky, floods, fires. You watch and see if there's not an elevated birth pain. And I'm not going to put a time frame on it. You just watch how fast and how thick it is. It's going to be so intense. Now, maybe you're listening to this broadcast and you're just sitting there going, you know, I believe what you're saying, but uh, I, I am so unprepared for this. Um, I, I don't know how I could ever prepare for such a time as this. I have a telephone number on the screen for you right now. The number is 479-233-3774. If you need prayer and you're, you're confused, you don't know what direction to go in, uh, you're struggling with your spouse, you're struggling with your children, you're struggling with your family, um, you're, you have an addiction in your life, there's some sin in your life you're having a problem with, um, you're, you're, you're being harassed, you're being vexed, the, the enemy is coming against your soul, you're in spiritual warfare. You need to get out of all that stuff, right? You need to step into peace. You need to step into salvation. You need to step into God's provision. You need to call the number on the screen, 479-233-3774, and you need to ask for prayer. You could also text that number, and you could text for prayer. And that's where I'm going to have to leave it. We've been two hours today on this broadcast. I also want to thank everybody for your giving. I want to ask you what you're coming into the weekend. When you consider at the end of the month that we are in right now, would you please send your finest support? You can do that by giving a gift to, if you would like to mail it in, P.O. Box 100. P.O. Box 100. Just write the check to New Wine Ministry and to the radio, Desert Radio. Please send your finest gift. If this ministry is a blessing to you, send your finest gift. And we thank you for doing that. Uh, you could also online at omegaradio.org, omegaradio.org. 
Um, everybody knows how to get to omegaradio.org. And again, somebody just asked for that uh, P.O. Box. It's P.O. Box 100, and that's in Decatur, Arkansas, AR72722. If you're on your telephone and you want to text your gift, you could actually text the number 41088, and then right next to it in lowercase letters, Omega, 41088-OMEGA. And then just type in the word give, and the prompts will lead you to give online. We thank you so much for your giving to this ministry. Thank you for partnering with us. May God bless you this weekend. We're excited about getting together with the family of God, Saturday, 530, Sunday, 2 p.m. We'll see you on Wednesday. We will not be on the air Tuesday. We're starting a new adventure on Tuesday at 1130 on Kerm Radio. And uh, you'll be hearing more of that. You can join us Sunday at 2 p.m., Saturday, 5.30, on our New Wine Ministry TV website on Facebook, YouTube. We'll be there looking for you. Have a super blessed day. Have a great weekend. This is Pastor Vance. You've been listening to The Watchman. Shalom.